Church, I feel like God is saying this morning that we have barely scratched the surface. We have barely scratched the surface of what it is that he desires to do in us and through us here at the fountain. And he says, that thing, whatever it is, that thing that you still hold on to, that thing that you feel like you cannot afford to lose, just wait and see what he will do in your life when you lay it in his hands. And I'm reminded of the loaves and the fish that what the disciples thought was an insignificant thing, Jesus multiplied and did something miraculous. I think sometimes we hold on to things because we don't see how significant we can be if we release them and surrender them to God. And whatever that is for you this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you and gives you a snapshot of everything that Jesus wants to do in your life if you would just come to him and lay it all down in complete surrender, that you would lay down your sin, lay down your habits, lay down your addictions, lay down your worries and your fears for tomorrow, lay down your career, Lay down your future and put it in his hands. And God says, see what I will do. Oh, Father God, I pray that you would just give us a picture in our mind, Lord God, that would just stir up faith in our heart and bring us to a place of humility, surrender, and repentance. God, so that we don't miss out on everything that you have for us. Father, we thank you. God, you are good. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Open up our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Yeah. That takes place. When you surrender to me, I have better things for you. Yes. I have more gifts for you. Yes, Jesus. I have life and love yes. and peace and joy. Yes, Come Jesus. to me, you who are weary yes. and heavy laden, and I yes, will give you rest. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Can we just thank him for that word this morning? We receive it. We accept it. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that in the same way that you inspired John to write letters to the churches in modern-day Turkey, God, you, you have mail for us today. And God, you speak. You have not shut your mouth. You have not become silent, but you speak to those who are listening. May we continue to have open spiritual ears, God. It's so easy to get caught up in the noise of this world and to tune you out, but God, keep us sensitive to your spirit, God. Let this house never lack conviction of the Holy Spirit or lack uh, your presence in tangible ways, Father God but mold us and shape us into the body of Christ, which you've called us to become. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't God good? Yes. You guys can be seated this morning. I'm excited to share part six I've circled the wagons with you today, and my message today is entitled, Keep Trusting. Keep Trusting. There's something about hope that gives us the ability to carry on through
through the most difficult circumstances and situations. There's something about hope, about being able to see the finish line, about believing that you're not alone, whatever that hope is. There's something about hope that just has the power to not only sustain you, but also give you the, the ability to press on and make progress in spite of opposition. And I believe today there's a message for those of you who are feeling beaten down today. For those of you who are feeling worn down, for those of you who are struggling, feeling abandoned or forgotten or lonely or frustrated or fatigued, whatever it is that has caused you to to lose hope, I believe God wants to give you hope this morning. When I was a kid of about, I think, age four, um, we lived in an apartment complex, which was a step up for me. We graduated from the trailer park. Right, <laughs> And we were in this apartment complex somewhere in Mesa, Arizona, and I was outside on the bottom level in the, in the courtyard playing by myself. And um, all of a sudden I realized um, it was kind of quiet and I, I no longer heard noises coming from my apartment building upstairs. And um, I was down there and I realized all of a sudden I was alone that my parents and my sister and, 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 um, and my cousins who were also with us that day, we had this big group over, they all left and didn't take me with them. And so here I am, four years old, in the middle of this courtyard in this apartment complex, and suddenly fear and dread and hopelessness begins to overtake me. And so this um, uh, you know, brave four-year-old boy begins to whimper and cry. And as I began to cry, it began to draw the attention of some neighbors. And um, a couple of older kids walked over to me and asked me what was wrong. And I said, my parents left me here. I don't know where they are. And so they were complete strangers to me. I don't even think I recognized them. And so they said, you know what? It's not safe for you out here, but why don't you come over to our apartment and you can wait for your parents there? Well, to me... As a vulnerable four-year-old boy, that sounded like a threat, <laughs> not an invitation to, hey, we'll be okay, you'll be okay, we'll stay with you. Like, no, I'm not going into the stranger's house. And so I declined their invitation, and uh, some more of the family members came out, and they began to get very, very pushy with me and say, no, just come inside. Look, we have games, you can watch TV, you can do all these things. But something inside of me was saying, no, do not leave this spot. Do not go into these strangers' homes. And so at one point, one of them decided that they knew better for me, and they were going to force me into their apartment. And so they laid hands on me and began to pull on me. And I reached out and I grabbed the railings of the stairwell. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, no, I don't want to go with you. I don't want to go with you. My dad's coming back and I'm going to be right here. My dad's coming back. And I continued to hold on. So finally, they let go because I was making a scene. And they're like, we look like kidnappers here. And so they gave up on me and they walked back inside and they left me alone. And I continued to cling to those bars and sob and cry in hopes that my dad would be back any moment. And sure enough, just a few moments later, my dad comes walking up, apologizing profusely that they left us behind. But in that moment, I held on tight and refused to move. Why? Because I knew that my father was coming back for me. And I wanted to make sure that I was right where he left me. So that when he came back, he'd find me ready to come along with him. See, when things get tough or it seems to be taking too long, there is an enemy that comes in to try to remove you from where you're supposed to be. To take you out of the position God has placed you in. And to tempt you to go a different direction. But when you understand that God is for you and he's coming back for you, then you will have the strength to hold your position and hold on. See, no matter how difficult life becomes, if you keep trusting in Jesus, find the strength to hold on until the end. I don't know who you are today, what you're going through today, but somebody needs the strength to hold on right now. And if God can just deliver you that hope today, then you're going to walk away today a different person. But you know what? The opposite is also true. The opposite is also true that that when we lose hope, we lose the strength to hold on. 
We lose the strength to endure and forget about the idea of advancing and going further than we've ever gone. Hope is a powerful thing that God offers us. So let's talk about this. At our tables, I want you to discuss these questions. Number one, how has hope in Jesus gotten you through difficult seasons? Is there a time in your life where you were in a difficult season and your hope in Jesus is the only thing that got you through? And number two, how has a lack of trust or hope caused you to lose hope when you needed it most? All right, so let's discuss this at our tables, and then we're going to open up the Word of God and learn what He has for us today. Amen? Let's talk. Amen. Wow, I heard some great uh, stories and testimonies about hope at my table and just the power that hope had to not only get us through, but to keep us pressing on. And you know, there's something about hope is that people will fail us in life. Amen. People will let you down. Raise your hand if you've ever had anybody let you down in life. Okay. Everyone who didn't raise their hand is like under 20 years old. Okay, and I'm sure that even they have had people let them down in their life. But Jesus will never fail us. He never has, and he never will. And when we fully trust in him, we can overcome anything that this world has to throw at us. Why? Because he's not of this world. Amen? And so my challenge to you today is quite simple. Keep trusting. Keep trusting. Trusting. Sometimes we just need to be reminded to keep trusting in the good times, in the bad times. When God seems to be answering all your prayers and when he seems to not even be hearing your prayers, keep trusting because he is good and we can trust in him. I want to invite you to stand with me real quick before we get started and I'll grab your Bibles because if we're going to trust him, we got to trust his words. Amen. And so we're going to make a statement of faith over this book so that our soul awakens to the truth that we can trust in Christ Jesus, our solid rock. Amen. All right. So read this with me on the screen. One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God's word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. And if you'll remain standing, we're going to read together today in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. That's Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Somebody say, not Pennsylvania. All right. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say there are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my, com my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Father, I pray that you would illuminate your scriptures to us today and that your Holy Spirit would speak directly to each individual heart exactly where they are. 
meet us where we are today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. So Philadelphia, like I said, not Pennsylvania. The church in Philadelphia was a part of ancient Asia Minor. And most of you know the name Philadelphia actually means brotherly love, right? And so in Philadelphia, this city here was a city that was actually plagued with um, earthquakes. Earthquakes were very common. In fact, in, in the year A.D. 17, a cataclysmic earthquake just completely devastated this city. And then, following that, they had, so the first they had this, this physical devastation, and then they experienced the financial devastation. See, Philadelphia was known for its vineyards. And they had such choice uh, vineyards and such, such delicious grapes and these beautiful vineyards that they even rivaled those in Rome. And Rome did not like that. And so at a certain point in time, they commanded those in Philadelphia to tear out their vineyards because they wanted Rome to be the envy of the area where the best vineyards were. And so they faced this crippling of their, of their city and their buildings and the physical, and then they were hit financially. And so Philadelphia was um, also, it was strategically located, and it was a trade town in Asia, so it stood between Rome and the Eastern world and was known as Little Athens because of its many gods and idols. So we see this letter was written to a church in a city that had been through a lot. Struggling to survive, I'm sure. And then he introduces himself as the one who is holy and true. I want to remind you that at the beginning of each of these letters, he introduces himself in a way that is significant to his audience. And isn't that just how good our God is? That he talks to you in a way that you understand? He talks to you in a way that acknowledges your situation and your difficulties and your circumstances. And that's what Jesus is doing here, and that's what he wants to do for you and I today. He says, I am the one who is holy and true. Holy meaning totally different and set apart and pure. Not of this world, of a completely different world and a completely different kingdom. Not corrupted by the things of us world. Not subjected to the same things that we're subjected to. True, meaning he was genuine and trustworthy. He, he was authentic. And everything that would come from his mouth would be the truth. And you could trust in it. And this was something that was needed. And, and I wonder if there's even some symbolism here to, to just the, the earthquakes that they had been through. That, that just like the shaking of the ground makes your footing uh, unsteady. That, that sometimes when uh, there's shakiness in your life surrounding you, maybe, maybe you're surrounded by lies or culture around you is, is deteriorating and corrupting. That you need solid ground, something solid to step onto. And just like when you're in an earthquake, right, they tell you to get under uh, the most uh, secure place in your house, right? Maybe it's in a doorway or lay down in a bathtub or whatever it is. I don't know. I've never lived anywhere where there's really earthquakes, right? But you're trying to find something to hold on to so that you can survive the shaking. And, and when Jesus says, I am the God who is holy and true, he's saying, you can hold on to me in the midst of the shaking because while everything else is shifting around you, I remain firm and my words remain firm and you can trust in them. As it says in Hebrews, that this is a hope that we have as an anchor unto our souls because he is not a man and he he cannot lie. Isn't it great to know not only what God can do, but what he cannot do? Amen. He can never deny himself. He can never uh, cease to be faithful. He can never go back on his word because his word is true. And he was letting them know that the following words that he was about to deliver are genuine and completely trustworthy. This is a church that had suffered so much and they needed to be reminded that their God never fails. Is there somebody in the room today that you just need to be reminded today that your God will never fail you? He then refers to himself as the one who has the key of David. What is that? What is he talking about? The key of David? Well, I believe this is number one. It's a messianic reference Right, because he came from the line of David. 
But when someone has a key, what does it symbolize? It symbolizes that they have authority and access, right? So if you see somebody, um, hey, at a church, and they've got a big wad of keys like Jason Barnes, you assume that he has access to any room in this church, and you would be correct. You would assume that he has some authority to go along with that as well. In fact, I check first with Jason before I do anything. I'm just telling you. Access and authority. And so what is happening here is Jesus has the key to the heavenly city of David, which we read about later on in this chapter that's going to come down from heaven. And so this is the key to salvation. This is the key to, to opportunity. You name it, it's the key. And if he opens a door with that key, then no one else can shove it in your face. It says, what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. See, no one could keep them from stepping through the door because the one with the keys has opened it for them. In the same way, once he closes the door, it cannot be opened again. So when you look at this in, in, in the aspect of salvation, there's a, there's a clock that's ticking, right? Didn't we talk about that last week? A time to repent, right? There's a clock that's ticking. At some point, he will close the door. And it will be too late. But let's focus on the mercy that he has right now in this moment. That when you hear the ticking clock, he's giving you time to repent. Right now the door is open. And he stands at the door and knocks, right? And we are able to enter in. But the clock is ticking. And one day that door is going to slam shut. And so that should produce in us a sense of urgency. Furthermore, any opportunity... Any, any opportunity, any open door to go somewhere, to be used by God that is opened up to you cannot be shut in your face. So this morning, I want to give you three reasons that you can continue to trust when things are difficult. You can continue to trust in Jesus no matter what you're going through, whether you're at the mountain peak or the valley. Number one, he will make away. You guys know that song? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. It's who he is, right? He makes a way. In Isaiah, it says that he makes a way through the wilderness, right? He, he paves roads where there was a forest, right? He puts rivers in, in dry wastelands. He makes a way. He will make a way for you. In verse 8, he says specifically, I have opened a door for you, the church in Philadelphia, as well as all of us believers, that no one can close. Now, a Christian in ancient Philadelphia uh, was used to having doors slammed in their face. They dealt with rejection. They dealt with being excommunicated and cast out and, and being, living on, trying to survive on their own on the outskirts. That's why they had to be so close and unified together because they needed to depend on one another. It came with the territory. See, early on, Christians were actually welcomed in the synagogue. And we can, we can read about that in Acts 2.46. It says they worshiped together at the temple each day. But what happened is they began to wear out, their, wear out their welcome as they continued to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ and gain more followers and their community began to grow more. Finally, the Jews said, we have got to keep them out of the temple. We have got to keep them out of the synagogue. And so now here they are alienated from what was their place of worship. And not only that, but the synagogue was the, the social center of Jewish culture. And so to be excommunicated and kicked out of the synagogue is like you don't belong anywhere. Not only that, but Jews, as a part of the peace agreement between them and their conquerors, the Romans, they had a registry, a list, and if your name was on it, you were exempt from having to declare Caesar is Lord. So now what happens when you get excommunicated from the temple? They take your name and they cross it off of that list. So not only were the Jews kicking the Christians out of the synagogue, but they were opening, opening them up to even further persecution. 
completely unprotected by the law, to where if they claim Jesus as Lord only and refuse to say Caesar as Lord, they could be punished severely and even killed. Everywhere they went, they were being reminded of their limitations. You can go here, but you can't go there. You can shop here, but you can't shop there. You can associate with these people, but you can't associate with these people. A constant reminder that they were boxed in and limited as to what they could do. And now Jesus is telling them that through him, they have no limitations. They've been denied access by the Jews, but they've been granted unlimited access to the kingdom of God. The door of opportunity was open to them to do good and to preach the gospel. That's, that's how many uh, theologians interpret this open door, that this actually represents an age of the missionary church, right? And that when it says that the Jews are actually going to come and bow down at their feet, that it's talking about them actually coming to repentance, right? Uh, imagine that. You are the ones that are casted out and persecuted, and you seem limited and weak, like, like there's not much you can do, and God uses you, right, to bring those people to Christ. This struggling, weak church would be used to advance the very kingdom of God. And he goes on to say, you have little strength, yet you obeyed my word. You have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word. See, for Jesus, it wasn't about their own strength that they had within themselves, but it was where they applied that strength. All they needed was little strength, this church of little strength would accomplish all that Jesus had planned for them. He's saying to them, you've obeyed my word. Now I'll put you in charge of proclaiming it to the nations. I learned something about being on the worship team up here. Um, it's been a while. Um, and I'm thankful that I don't have to be up here on a weekly basis. But these little things right here, um, these are the pods, right? Isn't that what we call them? And they put on their headphones, right? And within their headphones, they can hear the MD on the mic. I'm telling all your secrets, Rochelle, right? Who's kind of directing them if they want to go a different direction in the song. If they're using a track, they can hear the click that keeps everybody on time. They can hear instructions of where to go next. And they can communicate through what's in their ears. But what I found out is that there's another knob on here that opens up a whole new world. And I was struggling to hear and I couldn't make any sense of it because I had everything turned up in my pod. Why can't I hear the keys? Why can't I hear the, the lead vocalist? And then uh, suddenly Cassie Barnes came up to me and she's like, see this thing right here? This is called a limiter and you have it turned almost all the way down. And she cranked that puppy up and I was like, wow! All of a sudden I could hear Everything And the reason why that limiter is there is because what it does is it limits the frequencies that can come directly into your ear. Because how many of you know, if you have headphones on and it blasts it's a little too loud, it hurts. It can do damage. And so there's only so much that my ears can take. And so I have a limiter to limit what comes in. And it keeps me from cranking it to a certain level. But all the time, I had control over that limiter. That entire time, I had control. I just didn't know it. And when I realized I could crank up that knob, all of a sudden, I could hear what I needed to hear, which made it so I could do what I needed to do. Church, you need to understand that you have no limit. If you will step into what God has for you and if you will walk through the door that he has opened to you. Listen, church, if you're faithful and obedient, there's no limit to what God can and will do through you. I don't need money to walk through a door. I don't need strength to walk through a door. All Jesus needs is my yes. And if I'll offer him that, Man, I have no limits. That is a powerful perspective that if we could just wrap our brain around that and own that perspective, man. Church, do you feel limited this morning? Have you been struggling, feeling like slam doors are in your face at every corner? 
Maybe you've been denied opportunities that you felt like you were supposed to walk into. Do you, do you feel like your strength is lacking and you just don't have what it takes? Do you feel God calling you somewhere, but you feel like you'll never get there? Maybe he picked the wrong person, right? Maybe you don't have the right temperament, the right personality, the right giftings. You're telling yourself all these things. And what you don't realize is there's been a limiter placed upon you that God wants to crank all the way to the top. This small church on 1119 East Hearn Road will proclaim the gospel across the street and around the world. And it doesn't matter our size. It doesn't matter our significance. But God has called us to walk through the open door and no one can shut it in our face. If we just keep trusting, if we just stay faithful, if we stay obedient to his word, he will open up all the right doors. That's the key word, right? See, there's no promise here that Jesus says, um, I have given you the key to open up any door you want. He says, I have selected the door to open unto you. No one can close it. All you have to do is step through it. Number two, he will protect you. So number one, he will make a way. Number two, he will protect you. Let's take a look at verse 10. He says, because you have obeyed. He says, I'm going to protect you. Because you have obeyed, I'm going to protect you. Now that word protect means keep, to watch over, to guard. And so I believe that this is for those of you today that feel vulnerable you don't feel safe right now in your life. Maybe, maybe it's you don't feel physically safe. Maybe you don't feel emotionally safe. Maybe you don't feel financially secure. Whatever it is, you feel vulnerable. You feel like you are just naked and in the wind. And you are, you are just at the mercy of what happens to you. And God wants to say to you today, I will protect you. See, this is not a promise that nothing bad will ever happen, is it? It's, it's not a promise that if, as long as you obey me, nothing bad will ever happen to your life. No, we know that's not true. We know that at this very moment, people are suffering and dying as we speak because they're obedient to Christ. Amen? We, we know that people are martyred for their faith on a regular basis. And, and so that's not what this promise is about. But this church, the church of Philadelphia, they both held God's commands dear in their hearts and obeyed them outwardly. And that's a powerful combination that unlocks God's blessing over us. Because of this, God says, I will guard you and I will watch over you. Now, there are two strong popular beliefs about what this verse is actually referring to. The first means to be protected or kept is from the great time of testing, that that means that God will spare them from the, the worst of it, right? That they're gonna be here and it's referring to the tribulation, right? And the tribulation is going to hit, and the church is going to survive. The church is going to go through the fire, but they're not going to be singed kind of thing, right? That he's just going to keep them, preserve them, make sure they come out on the other side of it okay. They'll go through it, but it's not going to harm them. And the second is that kept from the hour of trial actually means that the church will be completely taken away from it. Speaking of the rapture of the church. And so the Assemblies of God, which we are affiliated with, we are a part of that cooperative fellowship, they teach this. And many other mainline denominations teach this as well, uh, that this refers to the rapture of the church. That when he says, I'm going to keep you from the time of testing that's going to come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. He's saying, you don't belong to this world, so I'm going to snatch you up. And you're not going to have to go through this because it is my wrath that I'm pouring out upon the world. You are not children of wrath anymore. I have redeemed you and I'm going to spare you from this. And this is the hope that we commonly hope and trust in as a part of the assemblies of God. But listen to this. What is clear, whether you believe that or you believe we're going to go through part of the tribulation, or if you're of those people that believe we're going to go through all the tribulation, what we can still clearly apply to our lives here is that when we fully trust in Jesus and walk in his ways, he will give us the strength to face anything, whether it's your tribulation or the great tribulation. 
You will not face it alone. He will keep you. He will guard you. He will watch over you. So if you're asking me right now and you're holding a gun to my head, what do I believe? I'm a pre-trib rapture kind of guy. Um, and some of that might be wishful thinking. Um, but that's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at right now. And I'm going to trust in that. But ultimately, I have to be able to apply passages to my life, even if the interpretation isn't 100% clear. And we can do that because we can see the application as we continue to search out the interpretation. And my application to this is God is with me. And if God is for me, what can be against me? Not even the great tribulation that will fall upon the entire world can overcome me if God is with me. But I'm still holding out for the rapture. Beat me up, Scotty. But what is it that you're facing today? Because God can both deliver you from it or he can deliver you through it. Whatever it is that is just weighing heavy you on today, he's either going to take you around it or he's going to take you through it. But bottom line, his right hand upholds you like the psalmist says. What are you facing that's got you gripped with fear? Are you anxious about a difficult situation this morning that's looming? Something that you have no control over, but you're just worrying about it. Are you in the middle of the junk right now and you're just having a hard time trusting? You can trust that whatever he takes you away from it, whether he takes you away from it or through it, he will protect you. He will guard the ones who trust in him. And then he says something really powerful. In verse 11, he says, I am coming soon. Let us not lose sight of that, that revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ and his return. He's coming back. And by saying that, he's announcing an end to whatever it is you're wrestling with today, that it will not last forever. He says, I am coming soon. And with that, He's going to bring us home. That's number three. He will bring you home. So he will make a way. Number two is he will protect you. And number three, he will bring you home. This is for those of you this morning that you feel forgotten. You feel abandoned. You ever walked through a season in your life where you're just like, God, like, do you remember I'm even here I was sharing at my table a time when um, everything bad just seemed to come together all at once and converge at one moment in my life. I won't tell you the whole story because I've said it multiple times in here before, but it was a, a time in college when all at the same time, I got hit with Crohn's disease, my father left my mother, and my hair started falling out. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. Wasn't funny then. I thought I was going to be a very lonely man for the rest of my life, but I found some um, beautiful blonde with uh, bad eyesight who fell in love with me. <laughs> God is good. But I was in such a deep, dark, depressive state. It was so difficult, but knowing that God was for me, knowing that he would make a way, knowing that uh, he would never leave me, knowing that he was coming back for me and he was gonna bring me home is what sustained me. The hope that he would come back for me kept me going. So keeping your eyes on the finish line and knowing the end is near can encourage us to keep pressing on. I remember um, uh, doing a, the at-home workouts, right, with P90X, and one of the things that Tony Horton says is, come on, you can do anything for 30 seconds. And they will put a timer up on the workout so that you know when the end is coming. Now listen, Jesus doesn't give us that luxury, does he? He doesn't tell us when the end is coming, but he does show us the signs that show us his coming is near. And he promises that the end is coming. There's a story of a soldier who was caught up in battle and he was wounded very badly, fatally. And he began to slowly bleed out. And he was pinned behind some rocks, could not get away without being shot down, gunned down by the enemy. And his best friend was in a foxhole. And he said to his commanding officer, I have to go back for Johnny. I have to go back for Johnny. And his commanding officer said, you can't do that. 
It's suicide. There's no cover. Why should I lose two soldiers? We've already lost one. He's not going to make it anyway. But Johnny's friend just stayed consistent and said, I've got to go back for him. I've got to go back for him. Let me go back for him. So finally, the commanding officer said, okay, go. Go get him. A few minutes later, he successfully comes with his friend on his shoulder and he jumps down into the pent. But Johnny's already dead. The commanding officer turns to him and says, I told you. I told you it wasn't worth the risk. I could have lost you both. The man turns to him and he says, no, no, no. It was worth it. Because the very last words that he uttered to me before he died was, I knew you'd come back for me. See, the soldier may not have survived, but he was able to face death and pass into eternity in part because he knew his friend would always come back for him. Church, we serve a God who loved us so much that he gave his life on the cross for us. And if this cross did not cause him to turn his back on humanity, then there is nothing you're facing today that will cause him to turn his back on you. If he went all the way to the cross for you, you can be absolutely certain that he's coming back to bring you home. We can have hope in all situations. Because the same God that, pro- that died on the cross is the same God that promises he's coming back for us. This is the ultimate put your money where your mouth is moment in history. And when Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, he made the most powerful endorsement of his word that he could ever make. That if you would go to the cross, you can... Take everything that he said, every promise that's been offered to you, regardless of whether it feels true right now, and you can take it to the bank. There's no amount of time, there's no level of darkness or difficulty that will cancel his promise to come back for you and me. And when that day comes, he's going to bring us home for good. In verse 12, it says, all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. This church that was denied entrance into the synagogue, but Jesus promises them a permanent residence in his house and a vital part of it as well. It means that they would have somewhere that they would always belong and they would have someone that they would always belong to. And there are some of you in here today where you feel like you have no place in this world and you feel like you have no one that you belong to. You feel like an orphan. And Jesus wants you to know today that if you'll put your trust in him, that you will always have a home. And not only that, but you will play an integral part in that home. And not only that, but you will always have him. You will always belong to him that his adoption of you will be final and forever. Man, this Philadelphian church, I'm sure, struggled a lot with loneliness. Because of their faith in Jesus, they were excluded from their own families. See, not only were they kicked out of the temple, but their Jewish families would disown them, the people that they cared about the most. And so at this point, everything is taken away from them except the church. The church is the only place they feel like they belong. I I start thinking about that, how much they must have looked forward to their gatherings, how much they must have looked forward to the times where they would break bread together, share communion with one another, because that was, for many of them, the only family they had left. You know, today we've got people who come to church and, and for some of them, it's not even about Jesus yet. It's just the only place they feel like they're cared for. It's the only place where they have peace. It's the only place they can go where there's not broken dishes and holes in walls and curses being shouted at one another. And they feel accepted and loved and cared for at church. But when it's all said and done and Sunday morning's over or Wednesday night's over, they've got to go back to that same war zone every single night. 
There's single moms that they come to church and, and a big part of the reason why they come to church is because they have a family here that will love on their kids because they feel so overwhelmed with life like they can't do it and it takes a village and they found their village here at Fountain of Life. But when they go home, the cares of life explode again and they feel so overwhelmed with everything that they face. But listen, that peace and fellowship that you experience here on Sundays and Wednesdays is only a small taste of what is promised to those who trust in Jesus. Not only can you take that peace with you wherever you go, but there's gonna come a day where that is where you live. Jesus says, trust me and I will make a way. I will protect you and I will bring you home. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're in, in the room today and you're just, you, you just be honest, you say, I'm struggling to trust I'm struggling to make it through life, let alone press on and step into the calling that God has given me. Maybe you see that God has opened this door of opportunity unto you, but because of the obstacles you face, you feel like you lack the strength to step through it. If that's you today and you just say, I'm struggling to trust and I want somebody to pray with me, would you just lift up your hand? Keep it up for a minute. Anybody else, lift up your hand. You just say, I just could use someone to put a hand on my shoulder and just encourage me and pray for me. Now, if you guys would turn around and look around, and I'd like, uh, starting with our table hosts and our elders, to find someone with their hand raised. Maybe you're at your table, you didn't wanna raise your hand, but you're willing to lean over to your table host and say, I need prayer. The team's gonna sing behind us, and we're just gonna take this time to encourage one another in prayer, to be reminded that we have a God that we can trust in his word. Amen? Amen, you got it. Let's pray, guys. Find someone to pray with. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know.
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you. God, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing that only you can do. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, for speaking directly to our hearts. Um, We thank you, God, that you sent us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter because you've called us to live lives that are not comfortable. But Father, you provide the comfort supernaturally. And I thank you, God, that your people today, God, are awakening uh, to, to the reminder that you can be trusted in, and in that, your Holy Spirit is giving them comfort so that they can go into uncomfortable situations and be used by you. And God, you have called this church to not just survive or wait out the difficult times, but to press through in the midst of them and be victorious. And so Father, I thank you for just continuing to awaken this church. I thank you for the work that you have begun in us today. And we know that you'll be faithful to complete it, Lord. But let us never forget that we can keep trusting in you, Father. We, we thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were blessed today by Jesus, can you give him a hand clap? This morning. He's good. Well, praise God. Thank you so much for being here today. I do want to remind you uh, before you leave that we are going to start our annual business meeting here in a few minutes. And uh, feel free to take a quick break, stretch, stretch your legs, hit the restrooms, and um, we'll call you in when we're ready to start. Uh, but please, all of our partners, please make sure you stay for that meeting. The rest of you, uh, you're welcome to stay if you'd like. Otherwise, God bless you. Have an incredible week, and we look forward to seeing you again next time.